Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester. Two-man booth today with Pete Sampson of The Athletic. It's June 20th, a Tuesday. And um, we have a few things to talk about. I just came from Marcus Freeman's office, actually Katie Lonergan's office, where we conducted the interview uh, with Marcus Freeman. And of course, uh, earlier this week, Nate Roberts, a very for me, a very exciting tight end prospect uh, from the class of 2020, 2025, is verbally committed to Notre Dame. CJ Carr wrapped up at the Elite 11. Uh, and then, of course, we have questions in second segment. But Pete, I spent the about thirty minutes with Marcus Freeman, and it was rapid fire questions for me because I was thinking I had an hour, but I was oh. only, I was only granted thirty minutes. Uh, someone was right behind me, so it was quick. But you know, we dealt with all the we dealt with all the usual stuff, or I guess the, the latest stuff in terms of NIL and portal and the Goog renovation, naturally. I think he feels, I think everybody at Nordic feels better about NIL and portal and the ability to get some more guys in Uh, still just all, you know, graduate guys, but some of them now you're finding have more than one year of eligibility. And as it relates to the Goog, you know, I know everybody's going to say, well, what did you expect him to say? But by the same token, he said it with such passion that I think it's noteworthy. And like Jack Swarbrick, you know, he feels like the, the the talk about the Goog renovation or not having things renovated or added on or rebuilt or whatever, it, it's just, it's overblown as it relates to winning national titles. Yeah, I agree with him on that. I, I only asked him one Goog question and it was on the way out um, as I was standing up to leave. And it was more like, tell me what you want out of 2.0. Like what, what is actually most important to you? Cause like, that's, that, that's what he should have more of a handle on than fundraising timelines. And he's like, he said, uh, you know, nutrition, full kitchen number, like that's what he mentioned first. And then more space for the staff. They've just sort of outgrown the building. And I said, so that's one, that's kitchen one, like training table one, square footage two. And he's like, no, that's one and one a, um, and I said, well, what about more recovery spaces? And he said, you know, that, that as well. But, um, yeah, I, I think that, I think he's sort of coming to Notre Dame's defense a little bit in terms of the way he answers questions about the Goog. Um, you know, it's, I think he's being a good employee in a lot of ways there. So it's, and I, is it a impediment to them winning a national title? It, it wouldn't be first on my list. Um, I, and I, I, I agree with sort of your sentiment that I think that the, the angst around the goo renovation is bigger than the upside of the renovation itself, which, which will happen. Um, but you know, NIL transfer portal, um, 
I, I think scouting is sort of where Notre Dame needs to get caught up a little bit because they, they, they're they without a scouting director right now. Um, those are areas that I think are probably merit more uh, sort of inspection from Notre Dame than, you know, how big the office spaces are for the GAs. I mean, the, the statement about outgrowing the building and having a place where, and again, nutrition is not an issue, but it's having this all in the, in the one facility one unit all working together the team can't eat together like that doesn't make a lot of sense to me well they're split up a little bit yeah yeah so they can't eat together i just find like well what the the building was not built with that in mind but the the 2.0 version does and it will be yeah but you're not talking to 50 guys while you're eating you're talking to five or six and you can be seated at a table with them look i'm not going to justify it any further it's not necessary but i it, to, to your point i mean i think and although he feels better about having a handle on nil and the portal um you know ultimately acquisition fees and nil and academics are the things that prevent notre dame from adding more talent and competing on uh, at a higher level for national for national championships but i'm belaboring the point here a little bit i did you know we talked Obviously, we talked about personnel. The good stuff is, you know, Jadarian Price is 100%. Um, I think we all want to see that live, right? Yeah. And it's, I mean, it reminds me a little bit last year where I think we had heard Logan Diggs was like still on his way back in the summer and like maybe missing some of camp. And like when you sat down with Marcus, he was like, no, no, he's 100%. We're like, "Mm, okay, we'll see it. And like, I don't know if he was 100% when camp started, but. And I don't know if it probably took until game four, but he was much closer than I think we had thought he was going to be at this time last year. So if Jaron Price is, let's just say he's rounding up from 91.5% to 100%, like that's still, that's good. Like that's progress from, I think, where we thought he might be. Yeah, that's ahead of where Logan Diggs was last year at this time, certainly. And and the same with Eli Raritan. Now, he didn't say Eli Raritan is 100% now. But he said when camp opens, they expect him and Kevin Bowen, Bauman to be knock on wood with Kevin Bauman because he goes down. You know, he's had a he's had a string of things that he's yeah. really had to deal with. But that's that's all good news. I talked to him about Devin Ford and Antonio Carter, and he's excited about those guys. He thinks he thinks there's good fits. He thinks that Devin Ford not only can help them at running back, but they like what he did on special teams. So I would imagine he'll immediately be in the running for for uh, special teams as well. And then, you know, Antonio Carter is when you say Rhode Island football player, you don't picture Antonio Carter, you picture somebody that's playing at a higher level. And so it's exciting to have those guys, uh, you know, he still says that, uh, you know, the transfer portal is never going to make up a, a large portion of the the roster and that's by choice. They want it to be done, you know, via the recruiting route. Now, and I, I wasn't able to get into this with him, but O'Malley has pointed out, you know, the junior class of the 27 original players in the junior class, amazingly, there are 11 yep. remaining. And I mean, that is, a, you know, so next year, senior class, how do you supplement that? Maybe you get, maybe you get a few more uh, transfers. You know, I, I don't know that that's for next year, but um, you know, that is one of the issues in, in putting together a roster that you have a junior class in which what 65, 70% of 
are no longer there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you can prefer to build your program through recruiting, but you can't have one-way traffic out and restricted traffic in. Uh, and that's the world that Notre Dame chooses to live in right now. I think that may change a little bit, but until they, until we see the first junior, which I guess Brandon Joseph sort of was, um, Alohi Gilman was, came over after his freshman year. Um, but like with more regularity of more Brandon Joseph type stories, then I think Notre Dame, it will be a sign that they've sort of changed their philosophy on that. Cause I, th- I think right now you're just sort of, instead of taking, I think we've talked about this in the past, like we sort of expect them to average about four graduate transfers a year that that may have to be stuck up at eight for a while. Yeah. And like you mentioned the the multiple years, that's all COVID bonus season related. Once that goes away, yeah, that's true. That's that makes true. it much tougher um, to, to like your Sam Hartman wouldn't have been available if it wasn't for the COVID right. year. Yeah. Um, you know, so instead of getting, we're looking at guys of like, this guy is one year and this guy is two years. Well, in the future, only the guys with two years would be available because, in fact, they'd only have one. You know, Antonio Carter would just have one. Devin Ford would just have one. Unless they unless they redshirt their freshman year and then graduate in three and a half years. Then, yeah, then you could find and, a, a workaround there. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I mean, yeah, the, uh, you have to have them coming in while they're going out, but not not everyone going out, you know, the ones that count, that are leaving are the ones that are in NFL camps. There, there was attrition this year in the junior class of players that weren't going to, they weren't going to make a contribution. Right. Like Logan Diggs hurts. Uh, Tyler Buckner hurts. Beyond that. Philip Riley was not, you know, as an example, was not going to. Caleb Johnson uh, was a a mile away from getting reps. But you got, I mean, you got to have a functional practice though, right? Like, that's that's I, I think that's probably why we're going to see Notre Dame consistently sign 25 guys moving forward where in the past you'd seen classes where Notre Dame would sign I think the Ronnie Stanley class may have been 17 or 19 guys right. like that's that prob that will probably never happen again yeah that site by signing 25 you're saying we missed on some guys two years ago which you're yeah. always you're always We're already gone yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of built into it. But um yeah, I don't want to I don't want to get uh, you know, we talked about pass rush. I think pass rush is is uh, is going to be I think we've talked about this. Uh, it's it's going to be a a, a concern. Uh anyway, I don't want to I don't want to uh, give away all the trade secrets for uh for all of the information that I gather from Marcus Freeman. You could you'll be able to find that on Irish Illustrated coming up here, but uh, moving on, and we'll we'll jump back into that a little bit more as we get into questions in the second half. But Notre Dame received a verbal commitment from Nate Roberts, a tight end um, in the 2025 class. Man, I love the physical maturity of that kid. I love the way he moves around the field. I've looked at his list is uh, 24/7 Sports. At least the composite has him listed as the fifth best tight end in the 2025 class. I've looked a little bit at the other, the four that are ahead of him. I'm not sure that I agree he's fifth. I think he's higher than that. Be that as it may, I think this is a really good football player, physically mature. I I, I think that when you look at a kid like that, 
you don't want to speculate too much. You don't want too much hyperbole. But when I look at the way that kid moves around the football field, that looks to me like what an NFL player looks like after his sophomore year in high school. Yeah, it's watching his tape. I It reminded me a ton of Brock Wright um, in terms of just like really physically strong uh, put together, not not your Cole Komet long and lean type of athlete um, much more of just like a hoss in there. I think, I think probably the best part about his game will be more of your traditional inline blocking stuff. Um, and then you can use him in play action. I don't, he doesn't strike me as like somebody you're going to build an offense around the way Michael Mayer did. Um, but man, just incredibly well put together and, like if he's, I realize Brock Wright didn't have like the Notre Dame career that people maybe thought he would come out of high school, but he's having an NFL career right now. Um, and if Nate Roberts did that, I think that would be a heck of a run through Notre Dame and whatever comes after. Yeah. And now, you know, nowadays, it, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that when we taught tight ends, like we generally talked in terms of a complete tight end, a guy that can be attached, a guy that can block, but also can be a receiver. Whereas now you're seeing, guys that are rated higher than a complete tight end, which is absolutely what I believe Nate Roberts is, and guys that are more, you know, wide receiver-like with with the blocking component not really being a part of it. That absolutely is a part with Nate Roberts. And, you know, I mean, Notre Dame's tradition of tight end, Notre Dame's tradition of running the football, wanting to run the football, I think it's important to, you know, if you get both, I mean, Eli Raritan is both really. I mean, he's a guy that shouldn't be a quality blocking tight end based upon his physical characteristics, but he is, he's stronger than he looks. And so, you know, I put him in the complete category too, but he's more wide receiver like uh, as well. Love the kid. And um, he seems totally sold on Notre Dame. And so he's something to look forward to down, uh, down the line, wrapping up segment one, CJ Carr, elite 11, uh, ended up finishing uh, fifth, I believe, right behind. Depending on where you look, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Justin saying uh, Dylan Rayola, Air Nolan. I don't know a ton about him, frankly. I, I, I guess the Croman Hook kid that's um, going to Florida State had a really, really good camp. But I, you know, I don't think I don't know everything that they did on day one. But that's where it was all a point system and that's where Carr kind of fell behind, I think in day one. But after that, you know, everything I saw looked good. I think he, he was, there were plenty of compliments for uh, his game. Somebody said, didn't have a rocket for an arm, man. I don't know. I love his release. I love the way the ball comes off his hand. I'm not concerned about arm strength or any of that right now. CJ Carr went to the camp and showed himself. Well, yeah, I don't I don't think he has a rocket for an arm, but I don't think he's weak armed either. Like no. you know, it's no, like you no. look at if you see Rayola in person, like that that looks like a future NFL like pocket passer type of quarterback. Like CJ Carr is more slightly built and can get in the weight room and get bigger. Um, I think that talking to people who were there like Julian Sayan and and Rayola, they were one, two or two, one. Sayan, I think, was was one. Rayola was two. And then Carr's in the next group. Um, 
You know, I think there's probably a, there was a decent gap between two and that next group, but Carr is definitely in that next group, whether he's fifth or seventh or third, I, I really don't know. Um, but I feel comfortable saying he's, he's in the, the, the second group, which is, which is an oppressive group of quarterbacks. And, you know, I mean, that judgment is, all, it's, it's all based upon physical abilities, right? I mean, I, they're, 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 I mean, they ask you to do seven on seven, and I think there's some chalkboard type stuff involved. But um, yeah, that's I, they try to make it a little. It's not just a, an NFL combine style event. They they try to have it be, I don't want to use the word holistic, but a little bit more than just like how hard you can throw and how accurate you are. Um, you know, you, you got to read some things out too, um, and get on a, a whiteboard and and do stuff like that. But <laughs> it's not. It's unfortunate because like. Back in the day, uh, when the Elite 11 and the opening were running concurrently, then you would get like a seven-on-seven tournament. And I remember going out when it was Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and thinking like, holy crap, these guys are at a different level entirely because you're watching them lead a team. That element of it is no longer part of the Elite 11 because the opening is not part of it either. Coming back, segment two, burning up the boards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're coming to a game this season, you have to check out Game Day Your Way, the official tailgate service provider of Notre Dame. Game Day Your Way offers everything you need, including tailgate gear, catering, and even beverage delivery right to your spot. And their Irish Express transportation from Chicago allows you to tailgate while you travel to their all-inclusive party zone in South Bend. Let Game Day deal with all the hassle so you can focus on the fun. For tailgates, tickets, transportation, and more, visit GameDayYourWay.com. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider is burning up the boards, and we start with a couple of questions. First first one from Bill B6118. I think many people, myself included, are perplexed by the Notre Dame staff's push or lack thereof for what appears to be viable prospects at safety, including Mankey, Miles, and now Ziegler. Is there really not enough room? Or do they feel like they can always address needs at this position in the portal? And then from records 33 hot in the past few years, Indy experienced position specific recruiting challenges at running back, wide receiver, and cornerback under coaches Denson, Alexander, and Light. Would you say Nordim is now in a similar situation at safety? Uh, you know, on the on the first part, I thought that they would try to take four at the position and let them sort itself out it seems like they're being a little bit more um i don't conservative with the numbers there but they they could wake up tomorrow and change their mind on that so on june 20th i don't think i'm going to read too much into like who they're pushing for and who they're not but the second part of that first question yeah i think the the portal is a fine place to find graduate safeties who can come in and help you for a year and Notre Dame may just be sort of in that mode now where they have to take a grad they have to assume they're going to take a graduate safety every year as Brandon Joseph last year it's Antonio Carter this year um, maybe there will be somebody next year who's developed elsewhere who can come in and help you 
But yeah, I mean, in terms of like recruiting at the position, similar to Denson, Alexander, and Light, I mean, Autry Denson's recruiting, I think, was a little bit scattershot, but he ended up signing some good players. Um, Dell Alexander, there was like a total hole in the roster that really hurt Notre Dame last year. And corner, that was a struggle. Um, been built pretty quickly by Mike Mickens since. I mean, I think I think Chris O'Leary is probably looking at the board and be like, you know, I I got to find a different level here in recruiting. Um, unless they absolutely see something different in these kids than than the rest of the recruiting rankings industry sees. Well, Nordheim's in great shape for Bronte Johnson. He is expected to make an announcement this Saturday. I think everybody is in agreement that Tay Johnson is a is a big time athlete and a guy that can can play that safety position, but again, not, not much background at the position. So he's going to have a lot to learn. Kennedy Erlocker is already on board, smaller guy, more of a hitter near the line of yep. scrimmage. Well, he completely considers himself to be a safety. Um, so, you know, we'll see with that. I don't, I, I don't get Tabron Benny Powell. I, I don't, I don't get that. Uh, I know that he had to play out of position. Uh, because Ben Minnick and his teammate were were the safeties, and and he had to do that. I just, I just have not seen the film that tells me Nordame should be taking a, uh, 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 you know, a shot at this guy. Maybe we'll find more down the road. I, I just don't. I don't quite understand it. I'm not saying they're wrong. I just don't understand it. Privately, I'm saying they're wrong. Uh, <laughs> Malcolm Ziegler, I the. Is Notre Dame? I mean, I think there's that they're still pretty decently positioned for him. I like I like Davis Andrews a lot, but he's going on a mission. Yeah, those are tough because I feel like very rarely does that turn out to be like a stellar college career. Like you know, last year, you know, Aiden Schuler and Ben Minnick were both four star prospects. They were both outside the top three hundred. Um, I think you got to factor that into it as well. Um, you know, and then Peyton Bowen and Brandon Hillman didn't end up here. So if they had signed everybody that was committed last year, we certainly would not be having this conversation. Um, but that's not how it worked out. So Notre Dame has to adjust and pivot. And, you know, Antonio Carter was a big part of that. I would just say like when the defensive coordinator during spring practice is like, we're short at safety, that, that is incumbent upon the safeties coach to fix that. Um, and that's, you know, that's a recruiting solution but it also can be a transfer portal solution uh moving on to a question from howens 22 do you guys see similarities in the differences let me say it again do you guys see similarities in the differences between kelly slash freeman and swarbrick babakwa a lot of what i've read about babakwa reminds me of freeman uh and whereas kelly and swarbrick were both needed and rebuilt a program but now at both positions it seems like Notre Dame has transitioned to a younger, more energetic, modern figure. Yes, people grow old, and the next generation comes through and gives you more energy. That's the that's the nature of youth um, versus us older people. But you know, I mean, yeah, I think I think that's kind of exciting. I, I you know that that Bavak was coming in and and with Freeman in his second year. I think it's an exciting duo moving forward. I think that there are some similarities there um, in terms of, okay, what, what did Notre Dame need at the time? Um, I think when 
Sorbrook was hired, Notre Dame needed probably more than it should have because things were just messed up with football. Um, now what they really need is to maximize media dollars and their next media contract. And frankly, who better to do that than somebody who was the chairman of NBC sports. So in terms of like right guy at the right time, I see some similarities. Um, I don't, I don't see it as like, it's a youth age experience vibe. Um, but it's like the difference between Marcus Freeman and Brian Kelly in terms of like the I don't know, hip factor or whatever you want to call it was pretty immense. Um, I'm not sure that that is the case with Pete Pavakwa and Jack Swarbrick. <laughs> not that Jack Swarbrick, I'll do respect, is like Mr. Hip and cool guy. Um, but Pete Pavakwa, I, I just, his personality is, sounds like quite a bit different than Swarbrick talking to Mike Tarico and Rob Hyland about him. But, um, I'm not sure that the differences between Bavakwa and Swarbrick are going to be as pronounced as they were between Kelly and Freeman. You know, I, 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 Jack Swarbrick worked as hard as anybody I think possibly could in that position. So, you know, I don't, I don't think that was ever the issue, but in terms of personality, certainly, uh, you know, I think people Bavakwa was going to be a guy that's more comfortable um, you know, and just a little bit more outgoing. I don't know. I, I don't know him. Uh, we'll, we'll have opportunities here down the road to get to, to know him better. But the bottom line is that this is a really, really good situation. Absolutely. Notre Dame needed Jack Swarbrick for the time that he was at Notre Dame, but it's such a great situation that Bavak was going to have an opportunity to, you know, kind of intern under him for the next half year. And I think that's huge. I think that's really good for Notre Dame. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's going to be very beneficial. I just thought, you know, I didn't say this in the first segment when we were talking about the goo, but you know, there's a lot of speculation, Pete, I know you've heard it too, that, you know, this is the Goog's going to start moving forward here soon. Swarberg didn't play it that way in my one-on-one with him. And some people were wondering, well, why didn't he play it that way? I don't know. But I think that in the coming months, certainly while Jack Swarbrick is still at Notre Dame, that we're going to hear about the plan, the unveiling of the plan. Notre Dame, has, like under him at least, they never just like, hey, hit, something's coming. There will be a huge announcement with a press release and renderings and all that stuff. And nobody will know about it because they do a very good job of not leaking stuff out. And then there will be an announcement. And that will be it. Just like Jack Swarbrick's early retirement was just that, that was, just happened that was incredibly well yes yeah. that so, will be it will be the same thing yeah i would think so uh but whereas we didn't have a timetable i'm i'm pretty comfortable saying that the plan will be unveiled in 2023 now i realize there's still a lot of 2023 left so it's like does that mean july does that mean before june's out i don't know uh but it is going to happen. And so I know a lot of people are excited about that. Uh, don't know that that's going to bring Notre Dame a national title, but it's needed. Like, yeah, I mean, it's needed. Everybody knows that. And as Swarbrick correctly points out, there are two other facilities that are really, really good. The stadium and the practice facility, they need to catch up on the other one, but you know, everybody's catching up at some point, right? I mean, as, Clemson, just like, just like Brian Kelly and Jack Swarbrick were once young and energetic. Yeah. Brian, Kelly's, Brian Kelly's going to have a good football team this fall. I know that may disappoint some people, but 
I think he's going to have a really good football team this fall. Moving on to a question from W. Jason P. Swarbrick mentioned first in his interview answer that being, I forget the exact word, exclusive or more prominent would be important in the apparel deal. Theoretically, that would seem to put Nike at the at the back of the list. Two questions. Is that how you see it? And two, in your opinion, should that be the number one criteria in a new deal? I I think the word that Swarbrick used was he wants the company, he wants Notre Dame to be a priority, whichever apparel company they sign with. Yeah, which I, I think is a maybe I'm reading too much into his words, but there, but I, I do think that's a little different than the Under Armour, where I think Notre Dame wanted to be the number one brand, a partner with the company. I don't get the sense that those two things are as like locked on as important as they were back then. But yeah, you want, like, I'm pretty sure Alabama is a priority for Nike and Georgia is, and Notre Dame would be too. Um, so I, I don't think it puts Nike at the back of the pack at all. I think as long as you're getting good service, um, you can adequately outfit all of your teams. Like they have products to fit all of your teams. That's that's fine. Um, I don't, I don't think a, a partnership agreement this time around, um, is, is as much of what Notre Dame is going for as maybe last time. I totally agree with you, Pete. I think it's different. Uh, a lot of time, a decade has transpired. And so there's a different approach with it. I, you know, I think Nike is probably what the players want. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yes. <laughs> and it's like, if you lumped Nike and Jordan together, it's like I would say you're you're pushing 100% approval rating uh, from the no, roster at that point. I agree, and so uh, that's the expectation uh, for a lot of people, and I get it. I I said I think it was last week, Pete. I said I think Nordim is ready to go to Nike. Uh, I hope that that's true because I think that that will make the most people happy, and I don't really see the downside of being associated with Nike. Yeah, the I mean certainly the the fan base. I put like a. I like a, I do a Notre Dame fan survey every summer to sort of get a sense of like, okay, what people want. And like 1600 people voted, voted on it. 43% said Nike, 26% said Jordan brand. So that's essentially almost 70% of respondents said one of those two. And then Under Armour was at eight foot, 8.4%. <laughs> Adidas was not even included on that. No, Adidas was at 10.2%. Okay. I put New Balance in there for kicks, um, pun intended, 2.2%. And then Other was 9.3%. Okay. Uh, looking for Nike to be the, the winner there. Okay. Question from Irish Law 17. If you're Pete Bavacqua, rank the following in order of priority for closing the gap with college football elite. TV deal, NIL strategy with fund, apparel deal, and its potential NIL implications. Goog renovations and number five changes to university transfer admissions practices, etc. Uh, a TV deal would be one. Um, after that, I would go uh, transfer, Goog, apparel, and then NIL with fun would be five. Yeah, I'm looking at, I mean, he, he, Irish Law 17 says closing the gap with college football elite. 
Is, is that how you would rank them in terms of closing the gap with the elite? I would because the TV deal that the SEC and the Big Ten are getting where the elite play is is pulling away from the station. Yeah, no, um, I agree with that. And so Notre Dame needs to get caught up with that. And if you don't get caught up with that, I'm not sure the other things really are going to hold up as much as you want them or think they would. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I guess I looked at it like the TV deal is going to happen. They're going to get, are they going to get exactly what they want? I'm not sure. Are they going to get a significant increase from what they are currently are getting? I do believe that that definitely. Because yeah. like a, a good TV deal keeps you independent, which is also really, really important. Yeah, I don't true. think like Goog renovations keep you independent. Yeah. So I have, I have TV deal fourth, but not, but not because I think it's fourth in importance. I think it's, it's going to happen. I put NIL strategy and fund number one. This it's really a good question because it's very hard to, it's difficult to differentiate. Um, I mean, admissions, I guess I would have two. I let me put it this way. I have Google renovations last, not that it's not important, but on the list in terms of closing the gap, where did you place it? I think I had it fourth. Okay. Um, Because I, and the NIL with fund, I just think there are other ways to do NIL. I think NIL with fund, like they have a good strategy as is where like everybody gets something. You, you need like a a different collective to give very important people, very important things. No, it's true. And NBC could get involved in the NIL part of it. That is, that's possible. I do. I do wonder, especially with like the apparel deal without any implications and the TV deal with implications. Like, so you're telling me that like Ohio State, like you'll say you go with Nike, Ohio State, Alabama and Georgia are going to be like, yeah, Nike, that's fine. You can you can help pay Notre Dame players. We don't need any of that. Like, I I find that hard to believe. And I find that hard to believe with NBC to a lesser extent now that they're involved with the Big Ten. Um, their partnership with Notre Dame obviously is much deeper and stronger, but that you could maybe get some nil work out of nbc and i i have i have heard that like as norim talks to sponsors and partners that what they can kick in and with nil is part of that conversation i don't know what that gets you at the end of the day but it's at least a conversation that's being had yeah i think i think some of these categories bleed into one another so it's yeah. a little difficult for me to you know just pick one over the other but good question and uh Look, they're all important. I, you know, though I would list the the Google last. It's time to get it on, man. I mean, it's time I, to get it done. I would say if you remove potential NIL implications from the parody, I would put that last because I I know d- people feel differently about this, but I with NIL that is sort of like I, I think players are much less inclined to be like, "Ooh, you're wearing Jordan brand." now than they were 10 years ago because the nil has sort of replaced that um i just don't i just don't think what you're wearing is nearly as important as it was 10 years ago question from gucci gt is the slew of june official visits come to an end who is the most important of the uncommitted targets for the irish to land still justin scott i'm sorry was there another question (laughs) class of 2024 of course wanted to to validate that what's that Who, who do you got justin scott I mean, it's that was he was the most important visitor who actually didn't visit Notre Dame this summer. Um, and that that remains it's such a a bellwether prospect for Notre Dame. Five star defensive lineman from Chicago. 
you you got to figure out a way to get those done. And when I when I sat down with Marcus last week, I asked him about um, sort of scouting and like maybe what he learned from Bowen Keeley and Dante Moore. And you know, in that answer is like, look, we we still have to get the Kyle Hamiltons and Michael Mayers of the world, um, but we also do have to do a great job finding the Joe Alt and Ben Morrison's of the world. Well, Justin Scott is in the Kyle Hamilton, Michael Mayers of the world. And, you know, Cam Williams is in that group. But you Notre Dame needs to have more guys like that in its classes. Um, and Justin Scott is right there for you in Chicago. Those kind of kids don't come around very often. I realize it's very hard to close it, but you got to close it. Yeah, I would like to, you know, I'd like to say Elijah rushing because he did visit and he is an incredible pass rusher, which for me is one of the greatest concerns for the 2023 team. But I don't know that it's realistic that he's coming to Notre Dame. I don't think that it is. And so therefore I would, I would, you know, I would say Justin Scott, but I, you know, Kingston, Viliamu, Asa, Notre Dame has a good shot at him because I think he really gets Notre Dame. I think he really understands what Notre Dame can do for him. It sounds like he was a very, um, he was very astute in listening to everything that, that he was told about Notre Dame uh, upon his visit. So, you know, I mean, I know he's not a pass rusher. He's not a defensive lineman, but love his game. He's spectacular. I guess he could rush. He would rush the passer too. Um, But Justin Scott, and I still think that, you know, frankly, Pete, I, I think Justin Scott has a couple levels, higher levels he can play at from what he played at as a junior. Just consistency and get off and urgency and everything that goes with being a highly rated player. I think he can take another couple steps. But, you know, Bronte Johnson's very, very important. I love Carter Nelson. Uh, Gerby Lambert, you know, is the is the bookend offensive tackle with with Prescott. Um, so, you know, all important, but man, if you said I could, if you said Notre Dame could get a pass rusher, like rushing, I think I'd put him first on a list question from ND Yinzer, any update or Intel on potential return dates for Bauman and Raritan? I think we already revealed this a little bit. Does it sound like either will be ready for the beginning of camp? Did you talk to him about though? You didn't talk to him about. I, those d- I didn't really get into personnel other than Sam Hartman, who will be ready for the beginning of camp. Yes, I did. I was almost done. Man, I'm looking at my. I'm looking at the questions I have and how much time I have, and it's like holy crap! I haven't asked him about Sam Hart- Hartman yet. I better do that. But I did ask him about Bobman and Raritan, and things things really look good with those two guys. Question from Insane ND Tucson: What's realistic for the three early enrollee freshman receivers? I know Great House showed out in the Blue Gold game. Flores is polished beyond a true freshman. And Braylon James is a wild card. Estimate, or estimate, I'm sorry, the full season production of all three put together. Oh, uh, I mean, I think Braylon James is probably the easiest. I I think that he will redshirt this season. Um, Great House, I don't know what. Let's. More than 25 catches, but less than 40? Yeah. It's, too optimistic? It's just gonna, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just going to be interesting to see how the slot position plays out because you have Tyree and Greathouse there, and they're both such different 
players. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm confident both. Well, I'm definitely confident the great house is going to play a significant role. And I think, you know, Flores, it just depends upon his learning curve. I, I think the learning curve was real sharp for him this spring. And I don't say that in a negative way because I always found him. I, I, whenever I was watching Flores, not that there were a ton of opportunities on the practice field, but even on blue gold game day, I, I always felt like he was searching for um, more information from his coaches, not in a negative way. It's like, okay, this just happened. Now, what should I do here? I thought he was really engaged with that, but I don't know how much pro- production that that leads to. And, and Braylon James, um, I think he'll play four games maximum. Uh, I don't, I don't think that he will be quite in the mix, especially since you have some of the older guys that have, that have really started to emerge. What if we said great house, 30 catches, uh, Flores, 15 catches, James, five or less. I mean, does that sound about right to you? It does. Um, five or I would say less. Yeah, I mean, it could be zero. Yeah, no, it, it it could very well be, you know. But I'm always the guy that's exaggerating. I had did I did I I really did say, <laughs> and this is because I was giving credit to Sam Hartman, but I really did say that I thought Matt Salerno would catch 15 to 20 passes, and it's more so that he knows where to be. He'll be there. Hartman will go to a second and third read and get him the football. But I I've amended that. I'll say. I think I said I amended it by saying 10 to 15. That's one a game. I think that could happen. I think there could be games where he has two or three just because he makes himself available and Hartman finds him. Yeah. Well, I mean, I once had Lorenzo Siles as the top 10 all time Notre Dame receiver. So you're fine with Salerno getting 15 <laughs> to 20 catches. And I know we're doing our counting down series and I put out the Salerno one. And then there's a thread where people are, I guess, just laughing that Matt Salerno, who is busted his ass to put himself in position to play for Notre Dame and be in the rotation and be number four in reps in 2022. But do you want him to be number seven in plays in snaps? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think six, like I would say Salerno and Flores would be competing for minutes. I think great house is above that. Yeah, now Salerno's more of a slot guy too, so he's competing against Great House and Yeah. But I mean you can move Salerno like Salerno could play anything, you know. That's yeah, like, no, that's true. That's true. It doesn't that's have true. to be one. That's well, I mean, it's like where Jaden Thomas and Rico Flores end up in the rotation. Like if you're stuck behind Jaden Thomas, I think you're stuck. Um, that's gonna be a hard time. That's gonna be a hard place to get more reps. Yeah, that could be a tough one. But anyway, it's a good group and Braylon James just needs a little bit more time. That's okay. Because uh, yeah, of- I think he's going to end up being behind Colsey and Merriweather, which is almost like that. There's not reps for you there because they really got to develop those guys. Yeah. Uh, question from Donnelly3434. If I don't find the other question, it might be our last one. No, okay. Second to last, Donnelly3434. Seems okay the Notre Dame takes lowly rated kids like Rezac. Sevillano, Mullins, Cahoon, Hobbs, and Erlocker, if they believe these kids are wildly underrated and will move up in time. With that in mind, which of the aforementioned recruits do you see ending up in the top 300, or which do you think should end up in the top 300? Rezac, Sevillano, Mullins, Cahoon, Hobbs, and Erlocker. 
Yeah. I mean, top 300 is tough. Um, right now, I think they just have one commitment in the top 300 on defense and Logan Thomas. I, I like Hobbs a lot. Um, I think that he's got like some lankiness to him. Like there's a measurable element of Hobbs and Mullins to me that would get me excited as like, this is somebody you could really develop into a unique type of athlete. Um, the other ones, I'm not so sure that I would, I would stand out on a limb for. I would say, I would say Mullins first, but I, I really think that if Sevillano maximizes his ability, he's going to be a really, really good college football player because he's huge. He has great get off. He's, he's quick. He has a, he has an excellent motor uh, and he's, he's a large dude in the middle of the offensive line. I like his chances. Now, whether that translate, you know what? I like his chances better of being productive in Nordane than maybe being placed in the top 300 of a list that I have no idea how, what criteria the people that are, that are using, you know, make it. So for me, I, I think Mullins is going to be a good college football player. I think Sevillano is going to be a good, good college football player. I'm going to say a third one. I'm not saying the other ones won't be, but my third one would be Hobbs. You know, I look at a kid like Rezac and it's like, he has all the athleticism that he needs. Now, if he gets bigger and he's got natural instincts for the game, he should be a productive player. Yeah, I agree with all that. Yeah, because Rezac does. It's like he has sort of the length that I would want in a linebacker, but he's probably multiple years away from being big enough to do it. And we just don't know what that's going to look like at the end. All right. We're going to wrap up with this question. I'm looking ahead. I'm not sure what our schedule is for next week. We're going to have to let everybody know about that regarding the podcast. But the last question is from Murphy 324. And that is if Sam Hartman makes a short list for the Heisman, which will require championship level offensive line and wide receiver play, and they win 10 games. What are your thoughts on other boxes that he must uh, check he must check to reach 11 wins and likely a playoff bid. Uh, I mean, statistically, I don't know, but I mean, 11 wins is you beat two of the three of Ohio State, Clemson, and USC. Um, so I would say what would be most valuable to you if you were a Heisman contender is beating a Heisman finalist head to head. So beating USC would probably be the most important personal game for Hartman. If it, if we're just talking about Heisman level uh, inclusion. Probably. Well, definitely has to decrease his interception total from each of the last two years. Yeah. And to win, not going to win the Heisman with double digit interceptions. Now that used to happen all the time, but it doesn't happen anymore. Actually, I'd have to, you'd have to look, have to go back, but I mean, you know, when I, <laughs> Well, when I first started watching uh, Notre Dame football, you know, even the great quarterbacks had more interceptions and touchdown passes. Now it was more run oriented game. You didn't throw it nearly as much, but today, you know, guys are winning the Heisman with 44 touchdown passes and six interceptions. And so that would be, uh, that would be a top list. But again, there was a time when you didn't have to win 11, 12 games to win the Heisman. It was based purely on, on your, uh, your production. And it's, it's not that way. Now your team has to be really good. Yeah. It's um, 
you're you're basically at a nine to one or ten to one TDINT ratio now. Um, that's like, and I'm just looking at Caleb Williams was forty two to five, and it's a shame O'Malley isn't on the podcast so I can see his jaw drop here. Joe Burrow was sixty to six. <laughs> that's ridiculous, ridiculous. I don't, I don't care about Sam Hartman winning the Heisman Trophy. I care about Notre Dame winning games, which. If they do that, he will be in the running yeah. for the Heisman Trophy. We appreciate you joining us. And again, we will let you know about our uh, our podcast schedule. Uh, we are reaching the time in the summer where we may skip a week or two just to tend to uh, well, the things that we tend to during the summer. So we'll let you know, Irish Illustrated, uh, Irish Illustrated subscribers. And a reminder to all that listen to our podcast, that if you want the full story, check in with irishillustrated.com. Until the next time, we appreciate you joining us here for Irish Illustrated Insider. Did you know that over 10 million pints of Guinness are consumed every single day? Dublin is the home of this very famous Irish stout, where it's brewed, stored and distributed worldwide. And if you're visiting Dublin, the Do Dublin Hop On Hop Off bus tour is the perfect way to explore the city and its iconic landmarks, including the Guinness Storehouse. Book your tickets now at dodublin.ie forward slash Irish Illustrated to secure your spot on the tour. But hurry, spaces are filling up fast.